Hey, y'all. From NPR, I'm Sam Sanders. It's been a minute. Today, we're talking about one of the most popular TV shows of the last decade. Talking with an actress who's been one of that show's breakout stars. Her name is Danielle Brooks. The show is Orange is the New Black. Orange is the New Black just wrapped its seventh and final season. Danielle Brooks plays Tasha Tasty Jefferson on the show, one of the many women trying to make the best out of a long prison sentence and the often depressing criminal justice system. In this interview, Danielle tells me how that role, Tasty, went from a one or two episode plot line to really grounding the show in later seasons. Also, fans of the show, she breaks down that stirring emotional finale and what it took to play perhaps the most emotional scene of her career. All right, let's get to it. We start this chat by discussing how Danielle got her start in the biz at six years old. Hi, this is Sam. How are you? What's up, Sam? How you doing? You know, making it. Surviving. (laughs) I'm so excited to have you on. Uh, I want to talk about your work on the show, the last season of the show. But first, I want to talk about a little tidbit I discovered in researching you in advance of this interview. You got your start acting in a church nativity play, and you were six? Yes. Which character were you? That is the truth. Oh, my goodness. Which character? (laughs) I, well, um, my mother's best friend, Kathy Austin, who's incredible, she is a writer. Mm-hmm. She wrote a nativity play, and I actually played baby girl in it. Baby girl, not baby Jesus. What was no, the plot? No, okay, okay. no, no, not baby Jesus. <laughs> no, I played baby girl, and my mother played my grandmother, which she, I have to go on record, she did not look like a grandmother, but she just could have, she had the chops enough to pull off yeah. a grandmother type yeah. character. But um, <laughs> yeah, I played that and um, everyone at the church just kept saying, you know, she's so good. She's so good. What was and the role exactly? What did you do? I don't remember nothing but sitting down, getting my hair braided <laughs> and talking about Jesus, I guess, because I don't have a clue. What I said, and I'm sure somebody has the tape. I okay. would love, 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 love to see that. Yeah. But, um, yeah, the church, I, you know, I really do give so much credit for um, it being my foundation to acting, yeah. my yeah. Um, start, because to me there's so many parallels, and I've talked about it before, but, like, to me it's always been like, you know, you go into the church and you're greeted by ushers, and there's ushers at a theater, and then mm-hmm. you have a program, and then in the theater you have playbills, and then you have a preacher who's, like, the director, and you have a oh. choir that's, like, the ensemble, and you have an audience that are going to be honest if they're liking what you're presenting or not, yeah. or responding. And the whole point of both is to be moved uh. and to get have an experience, right? So I've always just been so grateful because they've always pushed me to either sing in church, to be in that nativity play, or to memorize a scripture, which has been like memorizing Shakespeare or August yeah. Wilson. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's where I got my start was church. I love it. Well, it's also like there are all those parallels you mentioned, but also the great thing about coming up through church is that you're less likely to get booed 
there. (laughs) (laughs) True that, Sam. True that. They have to kind of just like in the spirit of Jesus, like, be nice. Be okay. Yes. Yes. Go ahead, baby. Exactly. But that's what you needed. You needed encouragement at the time. That's true. That's true. When did you know after that nativity play at six and your church family is nurturing you in, in, in that path? Like, when did you say, this is it? Like, this is my life's mm. calling. It took a minute Mm -hmm. for me to discover. Like, I always knew that I enjoyed it because I got in trouble for talking a lot as a kid and Mm -hmm. got my card flipped, which, you know, if you're from the South, if you get your card flipped in school, that means you, like, get a call home. Uh. And I always was getting a call home for running my mouth. Mm -hmm. And so (laughs) my mother just found all these programs, like, I grew up in Greenville, South Carolina, and mm-hmm. they they just had so many um, arts educational programs for youth that were pretty much free. And I just was lucky enough for her to find those places for me to have a spot. Yeah. And um, it wasn't until I got to high school that I said, I want to do this professionally. Yeah. So I went to, I, I kept going to like, Regular middle school, then arts middle school. Mm -hmm. Regular high school, then arts high school. And as a teenager, that can be really difficult because you're continuously changing your environment and changing the kids that you're hanging around and you never kind of feel like you fit. Yeah. And so my mom was like, girl, you going to audition for this darn art high school. And I was like, okay. So (laughs) um, crazy enough, Uh church, here we are. Thank you, God. Um, (laughs) There was a young lady named Stacy that was attending this school called Governor's School for Arts and Humanities. And she looked just like me, dark skinned, Hmm. natural hair, thick, you know, plus size young lady. Mm -hmm. And she was graduating from there and she happened to come visit my church. Hmm. Um, And so we were in Sunday school together and they were we were talking. She's like, I go to the governor's school. I was like, what? They had black people at this school? <laughs> and um, she was telling me about it, you know, how they lived on campus, how they studied, you know, very intensely. And just that she was on her way to go to Juilliard. Mm. And I had no idea what no Juilliard was. Mm. I, I would have thought it was Juilliard. <laughs> there were, like, people at my, my friend Julie does art. Like, yes, right? <laughs> And, um, and so I didn't know what this place was, yeah. but there was someone that looked like me that was my representation. I could see a reflection of myself in her. If I did not see that reflection of myself that Sunday morning, I would not have went, you know, right. or I would have tried to convince my mom that I didn't yeah. want to go. Yeah. So it wasn't until then I was like, okay, I'll start taking this a little more serious. And I was like, okay, I'm going to shoot for this Juilliard place. And you made it there. So, yeah, Sam, I went and auditioned at 17 for wow. Juilliard. And um, I got worked in. Out. <laughs> uh-huh. It worked yeah. out. Yeah. Flash forward to now and you are, you play a pivotal role in a show that Everyone says has pretty much changed the face and the landscape of like TV mm-hmm. as we know it right now. I'm talking about Orange is the New Black, this juggernaut of a thing. <laughs> I've never heard that juggernaut. Like you are, you were part of one of the biggest and most successful new Netflix shows that they've ever made. 
I know. It's crazy. I think we were the second or third original series that Netflix had created and have been the most successful um, original series they have made to date. Wow. And um, that's pretty phenomenal, you know, especially because... All of us, for the most part, were so new. Oh my goodness, so to new. TV, like we had no idea. And I hadn't seen a cast that was all women with women that looked like y'all. Come on, you know. Come on, Sam. You know, like seeing like some real folks, some real girls from around the way, and to see that become literally Netflix's biggest show. One snaps, but two, like, were you surprised by it? I was. Um, I was on many levels, but I think the first one was the fact that I, this was the first time that I realized there was space for all of us. Mm. And, you know, coming from my background where when I was at this art school, I was the only black girl. Mm -hmm. And then when I go to Juilliard, it's only two of us in my class of 18 so I've always kind of had this mindset like there's not that much room for us, especially from what I was even seeing on television at the time. Yeah. And watching like even shows that were considered diverse, like a Glee that was mm-hmm. closer to what I would watch at 17 yeah. getting into Juilliard. You still only had Mercedes, Mercedes. played by Amber Riley. Yeah. Which is you so know, crazy because so... it was like she was hands down the best singer on that show. Okay. And I was like, why do we got to <laughs> wait four or five songs for her to sing? Like, why are we even wasting our time with these other ones? Anyways, I digress. But I remember seeing her and being so like, oh, my God, somebody looks like me. And so to be on this show where Mm. there were so many um, reflections of different shades and sizes and ages and, like, lifestyle, um, walks of life, different walks of life, I was like, wow, like, there's really space for all of us to shine. Yeah. This is, that was new to me. Well, and then also with your character when you auditioned for the role of tasty it was at first just going to be like that character in like one or two episodes yeah wow which i kind of learned you know it's cool but i've kind of learned that was the case for a lot of us and i didn't know that really (laughs) (laughs) i'm not the only one with this special story even though i will act like i am um (laughs) yeah when on the breakdown I had said delicious. Actually, the character's name was delicious. It wasn't tasty. Mm-hmm. And it said two episodes. Wow. Um, and I remember almost not accepting the job because the first scene, I didn't get the whole script. Uh-huh. So I didn't get to read what was happening. Uh-huh. Um, and so I only got the sides, which what were basically... The sides are basically when you go into an audition, you're only going to get like a page. And sometimes you'll get like 10 pages okay. of what they want you to memorize. Uh-huh. They won't necessarily give you the entire script. Because well, then they'll give the plot away to people. Exactly. Yeah. So I did not get the entire script. I didn't uh-huh. get none of the script. I just got <laughs> one page. But in that side, it said, you know, it's a shower scene where she rolls up on her tailor uh, play, who plays Piper mm-hmm. and she's like you got them TV titties and she then gets after having this conversation with her about uh-huh. her breast and how she better not like r- run out of hot water huh. she then gets in the shower naked 
Uh-huh. So I was like, oh, no, like, I can't start my career off <laughs> Yeah, like, like that would be this. the start because you've been doing stage no. before that, not TV, right? I yeah. Like I was freaking out about it. Yeah. And so was my mother. And she was like, <laughs> no, don't take that job. Bah. And my father was like, you should just follow your heart, okay? Uh. And um, so after literally calling pr- the two, three casting directors I had known at the time and asking them their thoughts, uh-huh. they were like, girl, if you don't go take that job. <laughs> so I did. And I'm so grateful I did. All right, time for a break. When we come back, Danielle and I talk spoilers for the seventh and final season of Orange is a New Black. <laughs> Beware. She breaks down those emotional final scenes. There are spoilers here, okay? Don't say I didn't warn you. BRB. Support for NPR and the following message come from Sir Kensington's. Introducing new ranch and vinaigrette dressings in a variety of tasty flavors. Made with simple, quality ingredients and always non-GMO. Sir Kensington's declares all salads welcome because they believe a salad is more of an open question than a statement. Start yours with a dollar off your next purchase at SirKensington's.com slash Sam Sanders. Sir Kensington's. Abandon all bland. Starting college can be overwhelming. Everyone from almost every background has that fear that they got in here by accident. That's scary. NPR's Life Kit is here to help make your freshman year a little easier. Listen to NPR Life Kit's new guide on college or subscribe to Life Kit All Guides for all the episodes all in one place. I talked to one of your co-stars uh, in advance of season six. I talked to Uza Aduba mm-hmm. and she talked a lot about playing her character, Crazy Eyes, without stereotype. And she told me, basically, it's possible, but it's hard. And you've talked about this before, and you've talked Mm -hmm. about even addressing this challenge in the audition. Like, how do you walk the line of playing a role that has typically been stereotyped, a person of color, a woman in prison? Mm -hmm. How do you take on that role and from the start say, but we're not going to let it be that. We're not going to let it be a caricature because it could be really easy for that just to happen. You're right, Sam. It can be very difficult to break out of a stereotype, um, especially when kind of all the cards are playing into it. Mm -hmm. I think for me, I have to stay in the world of realism. Mm. I have to stay in the world of... Uh, this is truly someone's story out there. Yeah. Truly someone's story. Yeah. And I think it's a prime example, even though this story came out after Orange had come out, um, when they see us. You look at the Exonerated Five and the trajectory of their lives and how that that is what they lived yeah. for for real for how real. the system failed them that yeah. how the system failed them and that was tasty's story you uh. know she spoiler alert was innocent is innocent and has been convicted of doing something that she did not do mm-hmm. and has to spend her life in prison and mm-hmm. to me like i have to come from a place of wanting to honor these people who have had cards dealt to them that they never deserved. Yeah. Um, And so I think for me, if if an actor starts from that place, you'll be safe. I think you'll be okay. But I think there's also conversations that have to be had with the writers Uh. as well Uh. and making sure that they are aware when you feel uh, it's kind of hard to get out of that stereotypical box 
ways to break it. Yeah. Um, but I have. I think it's good to have that communication with the writers. Yeah. Were there ever moments well. with the writers where you were like, eh, "This ain't it." I think. I think I've always kind of trusted the writers. Mm. You know, ask my questions of like, okay, where are we going with this? Yeah. Before the season starts. Yeah. And to be honest, like in the beginning, Sam, I didn't know to even ask. Like it was okay that I had permission to talk with the writers huh. about oh, wow. the story. Yeah. You know, and, and I remember being bothered at times, you know, when we first did season one mm-hmm. and Tacey's particularly running for president of the prison Mm -hmm. and she's like chicken for the people and i remember remember being bothered by that really but i didn't know to to what to say because i didn't know where the story was going yeah you know what i mean yeah yeah yeah. and so i kind of felt like as a young actor well i better not say anything i better just run with it yeah i want this job and there's other little black girls out here that wish they had it you know and as I look back, I definitely wish I maybe would have pushed that a little bit because, but then at times I don't. Like, I, huh. like if I really think about the trajectory of that character, I think at that moment that's where Tasty truly was. Huh. But now you get to take this journey with her. Huh. And thank God these writers are intelligent enough to know, like, let's actually give this girl a journey with some depth. Yeah, You now see her, you know, starting a riot for prison reform mm. and like really digging into some deep deep work when it comes to politics and when it comes to this community of prisoners um you know that she considers her home making it better and that to me is cool too to watch somebody go from you know that kind of stereotypical black girl talking about chicken for the people and getting some hot sauce to like <laughs> really being about some stuff yeah yeah. Um, so it's yeah. a journey. But she sure did learn a lot along the way. I tell you that. <laughs> she, she got an education. Woo. Yeah, she did. <laughs> I want to talk about your character's plot arc in season seven. And this is the point where I say to listeners, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, spoiler <laughs> alert, spoiler alert. Because I will. Oh, we get mail. Oh, we get mail. Oh, my gosh. I'm sure you do. (laughs) So, anyways, if you have not watched season seven yet, turn this off right now. But if you have watched, keep listening. And come back. Yes. Yeah. Come back for sure. (laughs) Um, I want to talk about um, the really, really, really intense, you know, final scenes for your character. Mm. Uh, She survives a suicide attempt. I know. I want you to tell me how hard of a scene that is to play. It seems like it's probably up there. It was, Sam. It was. I remember the first day before we even shot, I had to come in early Mm. on an off day to um, go over the rigging of the hanging scene and like because they had you in a cell with like a noose basically yeah so i I had a noose that was made out of a pants um prison pant and but they had to like rig me in it so it can really look like i was you know doing this act yeah um and so i'm in a harness and they had like a whole system and um I have to say it was one of the roughest days I've ever had. Really? And when I say I'm so grateful for my training uh. and my sanity, <laughs> like yeah. the fact that like I th- 
I, I think the show is very blessed to have had a lot of women with sane minds mm. because a lot of these topics that we're dealing with are heavy mm-hmm. AF. Yeah. And that was one for me. Uh, like we did it because when you're shooting a TV show, you're, you're not, it's not like theater where you like do it one time a night and you're good. Yeah. Like you're doing this over and over and over with different angles and oh. God forbid, you know, some lighting thing didn't go right or the rig didn't work. Yeah. yeah so, so you're doing to fake hang yourself how many times in like one day? At least 10 times. Oh. At least oh. 10 times, if not more, probably oh more. Um, because you have it come from different angles. Yeah. And... Uh, I hated it. <laughs> I really <laughs> I did. I could see that because, you would. And it's not because for me, again, I go back to the reality of how many people are actually experiencing this and yeah. going through it. And then I also have the added addition of being a black woman and well, the, symbolism the system. Heavy. So oh, like you are a black on. woman placing a noose around, around your neck. Around your neck. And then I'm from the South Ugh. and all the layers of slavery and uh. Jim Crow and all this just stuff that comes up, you know, uh, people that you know that are incarcerated. Yeah. Like I have a friend that's in prison basically for life oh my God. for something. And just these things that you just like, come up in your mind. Yeah. Um, that, how, you know, yeah. yeah. That are just I mean, jarring. Like how after the last take, how long before you were okay? I was reading somewhere that you like had to just walk around set quietly yeah, for a long time. I just walked around and had a breakdown really? of release, you know, uh. not of like insanity, of yeah. just like I need to get this out. What were you releasing? Just had a breakdown. Just all that grime, you know, from uh. all that. Uh, I don't even know the word to describe it. Um, but just the weight of what someone carries to get to that point. Yeah. And it's heavy. Yeah. Um, and I'm grateful at, you know, I've had my struggles as a teenager because who doesn't yeah. as a teenager? Yeah. But, <laughs> but to, like, to truly want to take your life and attempt it, actually go through with it is crazy. It's like, it's, it's, it's a lot of weight yeah i did tell myself you know when we were just talking about like those things that young actors don't know to ask for um you know i definitely next time will ask if i ever have to do something like that again to make sure that there is someone on set that can help you move that energy around to get it Uh, off of you like a counselor yeah, like yeah. a therapist, like a yeah. psychiatrist, somebody, yeah. Yeah. you know, and I, and that day, I wish I would have had that. And uh. and I think it's just awareness, you know, yeah. um, and I'm just grateful that, you know, I have enough, uh, like I keep using the word sanity, but yeah, no, sanity to get through to something get through like it. that. Uh, yeah. And it's so hard. it just was a lot. <laughs> Looking back at your character's role on the show, the last seven seasons, like looking back on Tasty, you know, in totality, what for you is the moral of her story? I know you talked about hopelessness at the end of this. Yeah. But to me, I think they still tried to find hope. Yeah. And especially through Tasty. I think that was the biggest lesson for everyone. She ends up helping folks there in the prison. Yeah. 
Yeah, and she found her strength to live again. Like, she found a reason to continue to breathe. Like, Mm. she found her purpose um, once again, and she didn't give up on it. And, like, to me, I think that's... I think she's that's been the biggest lesson I feel is you take somebody like her who's seen so much death, who's had so much heartache, who has had no support system, who the system itself has failed her, mm. but yet she still comes up, you know, breathing. Mm. She still comes up for air. She still finds her way. And to me, that's just been the most empowering um Storyline. Yeah. So Danielle has been posting a lot on social media about being pregnant. You might have seen her excited on Instagram recently. When we come back, I asked Danielle about what acting has taught her about raising her child. Support for this podcast comes from the John S. and James L. Knight Foundation, helping NPR advance journalistic excellence in the digital age. There's more to watch and read these days than any one person can get to. That's why we make Pop Culture Happy Hour from NPR. Twice a week, we sort through the nonsense, share reactions, and give you the lowdown on what's worth your precious time. Listen and subscribe to NPR's Pop Culture Happy Hour. You've been posting about being pregnant. Congratulations. (laughs) So exciting. Thank Uh, you. (laughs) I was thinking about seeing some of those posts from you. I'm wondering... If doing this show and playing Tasty has made you think differently about how you might raise your child. Ooh, of yes. Okay. Definitely. Okay. Break it down um, for me. The biggest one is allowing my child to be who they are. Uh. Um, you know, I think I, I love and appreciate the way I was raised. I think it made an impact on my life and I wouldn't change it for the world. But... What I do want to instill in my child is that they can be whoever they want to be. Mm. And I mean that with who they want to love. Um, mm. And that has not always been the case in my household. Oh. And so um, I just would want them to know, like, it's okay. You know, whatever yeah. you want to be, your mama and your daddy going to rock with you. Okay. And going to love you unconditionally. So that's what I would want to leave with my child. Yeah. And that's what I've gathered from Orange. Yeah. Well, I also think that, like, playing the kind of roles that you see on the show, it definitely makes you, as a parent, say, well, there but for the grace of God goes my child. Mm. You know, like, I think one of the things that sticks with me the most from the show is that, like, people who were in the prison system— they're a lot of times no better or worse than you. Oh, yeah. They just definitely. had a series of unfortunate events. Definitely. Definitely. I, like definitely. It's, it's very easy for those of us on the outside to look at those on the inside of that system and say, well, you did it, and it's mm-hmm. your fault. But like mm-hmm. a lot of the folks that are in that show, yeah, they were caught up in things that often weren't yeah. even true about them. And then before you know it. There yeah, they are. I think I feel for me I've always been pretty non-judgmental. Mm-hmm. Like I think I think that's why I am an actor is cuz yeah. I'm just I'm so curious about other lifestyles and walks of life that are different and so I don't judge them. So mm-hmm. I already know that that's not going to be a problem with raising when yeah. it comes to raising my baby. Like yeah. they're going to know like yeah. 
it's one it take one little banana slip up to yeah. be in that position and your mama almost was in that position for real for real uh. but uh we ain't gonna talk about that so <laughs> <laughs> yeah like it can happen uh, yeah. for sure so and so i know the one thing about me is i've always tried to learn from other people's mistakes yeah like that's and so i'm hoping i'm hoping mm-hmm. my baby will learn from other people's mistakes yeah totally uh, totally People may not know, or they're coming to know more. Like, before TV, stage had your heart, has your heart, and you are, like, a big and real deal on Broadway. Thank you. Um, what, and, and you trained more in stage and theater than in mm-hmm. preparing for TV. What was the hardest part for you as a, you know, classically trained theatrical despian, you know, adjusting to television <laughs> work? Um, the hardest part for me adjusting to television was the scale and Mm. not literally a scale (laughs) because I am plus size, but no, um, like (laughs) the scale in which I could be big or not like character wise, because I always thought that you had to be smaller on television and with theater you could be more um, broader and bigger strokes with, you know, the choices that you make. Uh, and then I re- I worked with Michael Trim, who directed our first episode of Orange. Um, and I think he directed this episode two, but he came back a lot. Mm-hmm. Michael Trim. And uh, one day we were working on a scene and I had... Um, was doing something Tasty-esque, you know, being extra. And he was uh-huh. like, more! Really? I was like, are you serious? And he's uh-huh. like, yes, more. Uh-huh. So like, first I get on the chair. Uh-huh. He's like, up, oh, you can give me more. And so I get uh-huh. on the table. And I'm like, more. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Because <laughs> like, I feel like, am, am I doing too much for TV? Uh-huh. And he was like, no, this is who your character is. Like, she can live in this place. Uh-huh. And that's when I was like, whoa, okay. So it's this all this BS that I hear about, you know, being too small or you need to be bigger or whatever mm-hmm. that is, is mm-hmm. throw it out the window. Uh-huh. Where you need to come from is a truthful place for your character. Uh-huh. That is it. If your character is big, let her be big and bold if she's small <laughs> let her be small and wonderful in that place yeah, too yeah um you it, like the world seems to be wide open for you right now you have your foot in broadway you got mm-hmm. your foot in you know the music world you have an epl mm-hmm. like right now it was featured yes. on the series finale I'm sure you're going to keep doing whatever you want to on TV. Um, But like this character who was such a big part of your life and our lives for several years, Mm -hmm. uh, she's going to stay in prison. Mm. What would you say to the character of Tasty right now as she continues Mm. to live out what some would say is an unhappy ending? I would say that... Your purpose is so great, even if it reaches one person. Mm. And I think I think that's what I would leave with her is you you served your purpose if you've reached at least one. Um, and I think mm. she's found that with you know Pensatucky. Spoiler alert! Yeah. Um, when she dies, but before she passes away, she passed her GED. 
and Tasty helped her with that. Yeah. And I feel like that's the thing that I would want her to remember. Um, and I think she does. You know, yeah. I think that's what gave her her footing to continue to go. Mm-hmm. And I and I think that's a lesson for everyone. You know, you get all these incredible stars to talk about their life, and it's so cool. To, you know, to even I'm so humbled to be on NPR and be able to speak about having an EP and, you know, working in theater and film and Mm -hmm. having a baby, all this joyous, you know, beautiful things that are happening in my life. But at the end of the day, if I didn't have any of that, Mm. if I could at least reach one person, like life is still worth living. Like it's still worth going and Mm. continuing to push through. Yeah. So that's what I would say. Yeah. You just got to reach one. Yeah, oh truly, goodness. truly. Well, you reached me today. Oh, thank you, Sam. <laughs> Danielle Brooks, I really, I thank you for your work. I thank right. you for your honesty. And I'm just glad you're out here putting good vibes out in the world. Thank you. Big thank you to Danielle Brooks. Again, you can catch the final season of her show, Orange is a New Black, on Netflix right now. Also, listeners, before we go, I'm going to remind you again, tickets for my live show with Malcolm Gladwell are on sale right now. I am so excited for it. My Aunt Betty will be there. I may or may not wear a suit. It will be a fun evening. DC, come to this show. Tickets are at nprpresents.org. All right, listeners, back in your feeds on Friday. I am Sam Sanders. Thank you for listening. Talk soon. <laughs>